All right, welcome back to the stab. Oh shit! Fucking thing out. All right, welcome back to the stab cusp. I am Michael Saramella, joined by my co-host, uh, who is not so rude to leave the ringer on, Stace Galbraith. Uh, Stace, how are you doing this fine morning? Mikey, I'm doing pretty good, mate. And yourself? I uh, hear you got a couple barrels this morning. Yep. Word travels quick across the Pacific. (laughs) Everyone's talking about it in Coolangatta. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. You guys have gotten so many fucking waves this winter that I guess it was it was our turn. And yeah, we had a special morning, so I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it. Good to hear. Good to hear. But hey, um, pressingly, most pressingly, uh, the news of last week is that Surf 100 happened, and it worked to a degree there were no uh, major technical difficulties and that was pretty much like the baseline for okay if this is at least functional in that sense but what did you think of it qualitatively um i the first 20 minutes or so i was as excited as i've ever been for you know um Mushy waves. yeah i mean it was pretty fun lowers um by the look of it and um it kind of had a bit of a coffee party with um ryan batista and lincoln ether a couple of my mates were around here and we were um so fired up when it started like you know it, it was such a good such a good vibe and i think we we're also happy to to be you know talking shit and drinking coffee and watching surfing again so in that sense i, I thought you know short answer it was it was great were you boys all judging? Mm. Yeah, we were all judging. We, we were all throwing our, what we kind of, our range at uh, Lincoln and then Lincoln was entering it in. Um, so yeah, one phone was doing our three judging. Who did you have as the uh, winner? Like just for you guys? It was a mixed bag. Um, I think maybe two for Griffin, one for Kolohe. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. What did you yeah. think of the uh, user scoring aspect? Um, I thought it was it was it was pretty uh, pretty tight. I really didn't. There wasn't one score in there that was like, you know, a complete haymaker of like, wow, where did that come from? So in that sense, I think it was all it was all pretty good. Um, you know, I, I was think- kind of like wondering or wishing almost that there was like a Slater. They actually talked about it in the in the commentary of the event but like the slater 4.17 like i wish there was some sort of like controversial thing like that because i would really love to know where the the people quote unquote would go with that sort of situation like it seemed to me like the most the most people seem to think that kelly's air to belly board thing should have been like a fucking 10 but maybe that was just like a vocal minority online or whatever but it would have been pretty funny to see if they scored something like that really high Oh, it's 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 funny that isn't it like i think you know in tennis you see a player hit the net and the crowd goes oh and it's essentially a mistake hitting the net uh when the ball just dribbles over um and i think it's the same in surfing like floaters and kickouts get the most you know if you're in france and you're watching it it's big le gravier someone could get the gnarliest barrel but the crowd only erupts when the surfer goes like catapulting over the back of the wave doing like four somersaults. It's just, yeah. Yeah. They're like babies. It's like, if you can't fucking see the surfer, then nothing's happening. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't visible. It's a poor ride, (laughs) but yeah, no, you're right. It would have been cool. I think every wave was, um, you know, what you'd expect at lowers either, you know, a, a big air to start or some really nice, well put together surfing. I think that, um, you know, probably the only real different wave was like Ian's left. And I, I was stoked that to see that get a, a really good score because although he didn't get to the end of the wave, I think that's something that, um, you know, I personally believe should still be rewarded. It's the surfing that you do, not necessarily what you missed out on. Yeah, there was probably another section in that wave for him to do a turn. But I still thought like, you know, his carve down to blowtail was, was really technical. So um, I was stoked to see that get, you know, that get rewarded. And 
what kind of uh, criticisms do you have either from like a broadcasting standpoint or commentary or like, yeah, what about it do you think could be better? I think the surfers being mic'd up is so new that I think that could be leaned on a lot harder. Um, you know, Sal is obviously a, a career commentator and a, a professional and he's really good at his job. Uh, and obviously Dane and Taylor, you know, their reputations speak for themselves, but you want to hear the surfers, I think, because you just never get to hear them. So I think um, that would be one thing that I would, you know, like to see a bit more of is, um, you know, anytime there's dead air, being able to fill that with what the boys are saying in the water and how chirpy they are, I think is just, yeah, it hopefully becomes the new normal. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts too. And leading up to the event, I had never seen the like built out production. I, the only thing that I had watched was the hundred minute rollout of waves, no audio, like, like just straight what the session that happened. And that was how I did my judging on the whole thing. Um, so it was really cool for me. I got to like watch it as a fan pretty much. I'll, you know, I was also doing kind of stuff on the work and production side as well, like during the event. So I couldn't like truly sit there and enjoy it. But the stuff that I got to like watch was to me like really fun. It just felt fun and organic. Like it, I don't know, there's no, nothing kind of like contrived, which is how I feel like some of the stuff that we're used to seeing in serving webcasts are yeah totally um who did you have winning i had griffin winning also um yeah. i thought griff got a little bit undercooked for his lefts uh he was just doing some of these just really powerful turns he does this one turn on this one left where the first turn is like this blow tail but it's not like it it's not like the tail even goes above the lip necessarily it's like an under the lip blow tail thing but it's really powerful and controlled and to me that's a little bit more like interesting and dynamic maybe even than the reverses that Kolohe was doing um which is interesting too because Dane really loved the reverses that Kolohe was doing and he you know he compared it to Nick Rosa and everything and a totally apt comparison and you know Kolohe's turn was sick Nick Rosa's turns are sick but I've also heard Dane be really critical of that turn, mostly on himself, um, when you spin all the way around. Because to him, that shows, a, he said before that that showed like a lack of control. And that kind of the superior way to do it is to like blow the tail out and either go sideways or backwards, but kind of like catch it and come back the other way. So I don't know, just some like general surfing subjective disparities. But uh, yeah, I think that. Kolohe was totally within the realm of like being able to win that heat. So I don't think they got it wrong per se. It's just not the result that I got. Yeah, I, t I totally agree. If anyone's looking for reference of the turn that Mikey's speaking about, you can go and check it out on, I think Shane Fletcher's Instagram. He posted just the one turn of Dane from Pentecostal and it is absolutely ridiculous for a, let's call it dad bod. He has got supreme core control of doing that backside turn. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and yeah, I agree. I, I didn't think um, the result was necessarily wrong. I, I just had um, um, Griffin's right a little higher, I think. Um, I, you know, we'll, we'll hear it later and with Kolohe, like you're talking about carving 360s and we didn't really dive into it too much with him, but he kind of makes reference to the fact of he was coming off the bottom. And I think, you know, you need this section for a carving 360, the wave to be flatter or getting, you know, shouldering out. So for me straight away, when that is happening to a wave, it's obviously not a critical section. And I, I think that um, a frontside carve in a steep section is so much harder and so i was i was kind of you know i really like griffin's wave for that i felt like that one turn that griffin did was so like overlooked by everyone like even the commentators i felt like they kind of want to give it like an ooh or an ah when it happened but i don't know there was one turn that griffin did maybe toward like the middle or back half of the heat where it's just this like carve from the top and then he kind of like extends it and drifts a tiny tiny bit but it's like really controlled and that to me is like, holy shit, like holding your rail through something like that is so difficult. And I think mm. he surfed the rest of the wave and 
either finished it with a big carve at the end or like a, a little air at the end. I don't really remember. There's so many waves, but yeah, that yeah. was something that also really stood out to me. Totally. I'd, I'd urge anyone to listening who's, who's kind of thinking about it, uh, go and try a carving three and then go and try that carve and get back to us and see which one you get first. Cause I think that front side carve is like a lifetime trick. You could spend your whole life trying to do that turn. But a proper oh. carving three, I think is on that same level. Like, because there's a really like, I don't even know if I'd say it was a fine line, but like, first of all, there's, there's different kinds of 360s, right? There's a mid face mm -hmm. kind of sliding 360 that pretty much anyone can do. There's like, then there's like this in between 360 where you bottom turn up to the lip, but then you kind of do like a flicky slide sort of thing. And then there's one where you're truly like on your rail all the way up and then you do like a backside snap off the lip and like when you do those like the one that slater does in that little package that we created and throws fucking ungodly oh, gallons of spray and and you know a few of the other guys that do them on there as well it's just like that sort of turn just fucking blows my mind and i think that colohes was in that third like best category like he definitely drove all the way through it but it didn't quite have the same like impact off the lip as some other people's yeah totally yeah yeah they're, yeah it's a how good is it just to be talking about surfing i'm so for all them so fun <laughs> so good so what do you say should we uh should we get the champ on yeah the, uh, yeah yeah let's um let's get him on Let me intro our guest here. Uh, we're here with Kolohe Andino. He's only 26, but he's been on the tour for nine years. He's the world number five for the foreseeable future. And he's been extremely flirty with surfboard brands of late. Uh, we all know about the DHD affair at J-Bay, but recently Kolohe was blasted on Chili's Instagram stories. What's the deal, brother? You looking for a new foam daddy? <laughs> Definitely not looking for a new foam daddy, but um, yeah, just no events this year. So uh, my mind can wander and see what else is going on. Uh, and everyone else's, I guess, under everyone else's feet. And what have you, what have been your kind of biggest findings? Anything that stood out to you? Um, I guess like the nicest way I could put it is that like my shape, my surfing has like molded to Matt's shaping so much that we're like, that like, we complement each other a lot. So um, just a, a lot of the boards feel like extremely foreign and some of them felt really confusing that anyone would ever surf them very good. And then other ones I could see how people would rip, rip on them. That's so interesting. So yeah. It's, it is, I, I, mean, I think like for me, it's, it's, I say it all the time. I think it's the most important relationship in surfing. Like you can't ride your coach in the water. You can't ride your mom or your filmer. You have to ride a surfboard. And that relationship is so important. And I think that, um, you know, you guys have been doing it so well for so long. Um, it must be great for both of you guys to have something fresh to talk about and have an open relationship like that. Like, is, is Matt coming around to it a bit more? I'm sure he wasn't super stoked, but how, how have those chats been going? Um, I just, I, I wrote him and told him, I was like, hey, I ordered like this, this, and this from this guy and this guy. And, you know, just a bit of fun. Like, you know, I'm, you're never going to see it. You're gonna, never going to see anything that I'm going to post. <laughs> It doesn't uh, mean anything. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm never, never going to ride one in a heat or whatever, like, or like in an edit or whatever. So um, I was just, uh, yeah, just like explaining that. And then he didn't, he never actually wrote me back. So, yeah. Fuck, left you on red. Yeah. Shit, like, yeah. <laughs> but then, I don't know, I was like, none of them worked that good. So I was just kind of like, you know, he was probably like secretly like giggling about that. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Cause obviously like I'd imagine most of the boards that you're trying are ridden by some of the best surfers in the world. So yeah, I guess it's just that disconnect. Like you don't have that relationship with those shapers yet so that they can make a board that works for you. Yeah. And for whatever reason, like the way I grew up has like on his boards has formed the way I surf. So then it's just like, like I said, they complement each other. So, 
the uh yeah just a lot of them i just realizing like a lot of people use a lot of rock work and that's very foreign for me so yeah i don't know it's also like people who rip on certain boards are like smaller than me or they like surf different you know they just surf different yeah totally i think that that's something that i know that um you look up to, to Mick for a lot of reasons and, and I do as well. And I think a lot of people do. And I think that's something that him and DH definitely had going pretty well is that, you know, you would always see Mick on a Takoro early Hawaii days. Um, I've even seen like, you know, obviously his relationship with Mayhem was really well back when he rode one of your boards. And then even one day he threw up a throwback clip and I was like, wow, you've got to get that board copied. It looked amazing. And he's like, yeah, that was a Channel Islands. And, you know, having that, I think, <laughs> was <laughs> so <crazy>. mind-blowing <laughs> to me. Yeah. <laughs> but it definitely, I think, um, almost identical to you, right? Like, you'd never see that in an edit, rarely in a heat. Um, and it was always it was always Mick and DH. That, that relationship was always going to stand the test of time. And I, I think it's you know, beneficial for everyone. So, yeah. Yeah. And like what I'm like, what I'm experimenting or experiencing right now, I would never, ever, ever be able to do during like a normal tour year. So it was kind of like a kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity, really. So I just tried to, I guess, seize it. And then I guess Matt too, like halfway through a couple of weeks ago, he's like, "Hey, you should, um, you know, order so and so's boards because they look really good because I want to check them out." So yeah, <laughs> I went and did that. <laughs> Yeah, but they're all spying on each other, getting their mid-lengths ready for summer. That's what they're doing out here in Australia. Like, you know, all the brands are just they're trying to one-up each other. It's that funny. But they all seem to do something pretty similar in the end. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so, brother, speaking of basically this being an unprecedented year, we just ran a surf event, and I feel like I buried the lead. Congratulations on being our first Surf 100 champion. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that whole experience from your side of things? Um, yeah, it was, um, I guess like an idea that Sam had and, uh, he originally wanted to like try to clear the area for those hundred minutes, but, uh, Ian and Griffin and I thought that it would be cool just to kind of surf through the crowd, just to kind of show people what it's normally like. And, um, yeah, it was funny because like we were still getting burned and like we had, like Ian had to ollie over a guy and um, yeah, it just gets frustrating. So um, it was cool to see like, I guess the the real side of surfing lowers and um, yeah, I think it was a great start as far as like the production side on you guys, um, everything you guys did. And I think, uh, you know, if the waves get like heavier and more treacherous, it'll be sick to, uh, sick to watch. So yeah, it was a good good starting point um I, I kind of thought that event had some funny uh you know strategical moments obviously no priority and then i'm not sure how hard you guys were really thinking into it but it kind of reminded me a little bit of the um of the pool in the sense that well i mean from my perspective it kind of favors the goofy footers and i just wanted to see if you kind of thought about that how you know had you put waves together in your head and what you kind of thought a maximum point total might be or was it just kind of you knew your board was going good and if you got to the end of a couple you were going to be happy <laughs> um well you always like to get to the end of a couple right <laughs> <laughs> like in the beginning of the heat i actually was like trying to like just finish a couple waves just to like you know be whatever kind of stoked um but yeah i don't know i think um it was just like the crowd thing was really cool because you got to see how like even someone who, who lives or, around here and pro surfer, you get to like, we have a hard time out there. Like you get, it gets frustrating. And it was, it was, I think the best part about it was like the mic'd up stuff. And I wish they would have shown more of that stuff. Cause we were, we were talking trash and stuff the whole time. It was, it was really fun. So um, yeah. I don't yeah know, like I, that part I of it was it. amazing. I wish they yeah. did that more too. Like, are you much of a talker in, you know, in a CT heat? No, I never talk in heats ever, ever. Like I've yeah. never even since I was like seven years old. So um, I was I just when Joel won Haliva and he had that semi. I'm not sure if you remember. I'll, I'll spell it out. He had the semi with Pat, and Pat got a nine on his first wave. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he needed like a two for the rest of the heat. It was like 20 plus minutes. It was a really long time. <laughs> yeah. Joel said to him as soon as he got back out the back. Joel hadn't even stood up yet. He goes, 
you're not really going to lose this heat with a nine and a two, are you? <laughs> yeah, and he needed a – yeah, it's a sad story. Imagine if the CT was mic'd up, like, you know, and, you know, those guys who, particularly in the later part of their career, super chirpy and really heckily, that stuff would just, you know, it would be so funny. <laughs> yeah. So did you guys yeah. have any sort of, like, there was obviously a decent length of time between when it was filmed and when it was released. Did uh-huh. you guys have any sort of sense of who did well, who was going to win, anything like that? Um. I think Ian thought Griffin was going to win because Griffin was like talking about his waves. <laughs> Cause I watched it with Ian and Ian was like, Oh, I didn't know you like surfed any waves good. Cause you didn't like say anything. I was like, Oh, I just, I don't know. <laughs> and um, I was like stoked on my lefts, like, or like the one left where I like fell on the second reverse. I thought the first reverse was, I was stoked on it. Um, and then my other waves, my other two waves, I was like, Oh, those are pretty good waves for me. And uh, my, uh, my dad and wife who are on the beach watching was like, oh, Griffin got a couple of really good ones too, but they're like a little smaller, this and that. Um, but then it was funny because like, I thought Griffin was ripping the shit out of his ways, but then Dane was just like so over air versus you just talking about, like, right away. So, like, no, that's not enough. That's not a nine, like a nine or 90 or whatever, that's, however you guys are scoring. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, that's good for me. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty fascinating how much uh, Dane's, kind of opinions influenced the scoring yeah for sure and he was like super psyched on ian's like flow tail air because he like came from the bottom and then like pushed through the lip and i was like oh that makes sense because like dane that's what he does so that's what he likes so yeah and same with your left too like your first blow tail was so cool and and he was just like eight five and, and we're all sitting on the couch going oh i mean it was sick but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the the public scoring was actually super cool. So, and then like it was rad to have him like because I respect him so much. He was like really pointing out things that I was like that I'm kind of I guess insecure about my surfing, like the just like the calmness off the bottom, um, which some people have like naturally. And he was like pointing that out. I was like, oh, that's super rad. So that was that was felt good in my chest. <laughs> Oh, it's crazy how, it, how much social currency he still has. Like, you know, he still has so much pull. It, it's cool to see. Yeah. How did it feel for you, brother, to watch your heat, like, quote, unquote, live? Was that, like, weird? Did you did your heart ever get kind of, like, pounding when you were watching? Like, oh, fuck, like, what are they going to score me on this? Or what's Griffin going to do or anything like that? Yeah, it was pretty weird, for sure. Like, especially towards the end, because I was like, oh, I'm in the lead. Like, you know, and I, I knew Griffin had, like, a pretty good wave at the end. Cause I saw it and I was like, Oh, like, I wonder what's going to happen. You know? <laughs> and then like he wrote it and the Dane was like, wrote it off. He's like, oh, I like air reverses suck. Like every kid could do them in the world. <laughs> I was like, Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, tell us a little bit about your, uh, carving three. You have a bit of a fetish for those. It seems. <laughs> no. Well, it's funny because like on your guys' like little thing, it said like, uh, my weakness was like, what was it like um uh when you could see the future what's the word called not not see the future oh it was like predictability and i was like oh i'm pretty sure like <laughs> i'm pretty sure i have the most variety out of all three of these surfers <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know i just um that wave was kind of flat and there was like no there was no shoulder there was no like lip on the shoulder so i was like i did one the day before that felt good too and then i just oh, i just try to do it I never really do them in heats or like filming because some people like write them off and then also like judges don't score them at all. And they're like really hard to do. So I guess the, the risk versus reward is like, doesn't pay you at all. So I was just, um, yeah, try it out something different. And then, I, and then I thought the best part about it was probably how I came out of it and went straight into the next turn. So they're in the same category as foam climbs. Like sometimes they look sick, but you just, can fall off that easy and they don't get you any points. <laughs> I've lost the I've lost the US Open like four years out of my like ten years of doing it by doing a foam climb before going into the reform and falling. It's like if I just didn't do that foam climb, just went to the inside and tapped it, I would have made my heat. It's the most violent one foot piece of foam on the planet. <laughs> Is there um, how do you um, how do you feel about the concept of judging basically manipulating the way that you surf like is it weird to you that something that you think looks good and feels good 
you kind of have to stop yourself from doing because you're told by these people up in the ivory tower that it's not good? Yeah, well, it's kind of sucks too because uh, like, and I battle this so much because you'll get boards that are like, you'll get boards that feel really, really good and they look super good, but there's maybe not throwing as much spray as like a board that's like stiffer and like feels like clankier and like more blah but I'll just be chucking water and like any little turn you do, it just looks like a giant turn and you'll be like, Oh, so I have to learn how to ride this like shitty board. And like my map, basically my magic board was like my backup board or going in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just, it's weird, you know, because like the spray thing is like, it shouldn't have to do with like scores at all, but it's just human nature. Like when you're watching someone and then just, they like are throwing a lot of spray, you're just like, Oh wow. Instead of like no spray. So yeah, I don't know. It, it, um, it's definitely annoying a little bit. You've had a colorful relationship with the judges over the years, uh, after the, the crowd judging and sort of self-admittedly, they might've got your waves the other way around to which you preferred. And I, I'd agree with you there as well. Um, yeah. did it, has it made you have a different perspective on the CT judging? Uh, like what part of it? Like just the like. As in like how easy it is to have a disagreement with the people that are scoring you, I guess. Like, you know, I, I'd agree with you. I thought your other wave was better than the, I forget which wave was around, but I remember yeah, thinking, well, oh, I, I, I had that. And my laps were better than the ones that they like thought were the best. Totally. And how often do you get that at a CT, you reckon? Um... I don't know, a lot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've had an interesting, like, yeah, like, I had a, I've had an interesting, I guess, career with the, with the judges. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it feels really hard for me to get a really good score, but it's, I guess it's really hard for everyone. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Do you think, like, I mean, obviously we only have one kind of example from this recent Surf 100 thing, but what do you think of the idea of like group scoring, like, like crowd scoring? Basically, do you think that, you know, if 2000 people all scored the same wave that they would score it more correctly than the five judges? Um, I don't know. I heard some like study like, like that or something. I've heard, I've heard that like, there was like a study where like, five experts are more likely to get it wrong than like 2000 people who aren't experts or like 10,000 people who aren't an expert. Like he reads like, your articles, Mikey. <laughs> he does apparently. <laughs> oh, did you, was that yours? Yeah. 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 So it yeah. It's called, uh, it's called the, the wisdom of the crowd. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. I actually don't know at all, but, um, yeah, it was cool to get judged by the crowd. I guess what I learned from it was just like how much influence, I guess, like the commentators and I guess the surroundings have, because it seemed like when like those guys were super psyched on the score, it would like go higher. And then like, cause I think during my like two reverse wave, the one I fell in the second reverse, uh, which I thought was my best left, um, they were like kind of like half of it during the replay. They're kind of talking about something else. So I guess maybe that's why they didn't, the, the people who were scoring weren't like paid as much attention. Yep. Kind of yeah. It's, it's all, it's always going to be flawed right at the end of the day, whether it's the five experts or people online, like there's always going to be problems with it, but it was at least like fun to see a different side of surfing and, you know, give the people a voice because yeah. people love to fucking chirp the judges just as much as any uh, surfer does. So it was cool to kind of put them in that position, see how they did. Yeah, yeah, and too, and everyone's like, yeah, it's just everyone's so subjective. They have their favorites, and like, you got robbed or whatever. It's just that's like an annoying rabbit hole that you just don't want to go down ever. So, uh, following your Surf One Hundred victory, you sauntered up to Lemoore, California, for the, uh, oh, I don't even want to say what it's called, but, um, yeah, tell me a little bit about that event. We know that you obviously didn't have your best performance and your team didn't qualify through the first round, but, um, how are you feeling in general about kind of wave pool contests? Um, wave pool contests. Uh, I've just gotten to the point where like, they're so difficult for me that it's, I guess, a fun challenge. Cause it's like, 
I'm very much like a routine person. Stace knows that because he sees me uh, every day. Five o'clock every morning. <laughs> running out yeah, stuff. And, every, and like everything just goes out the window when it's like when you're there. So like they're like, oh, like you're, you're two waves that are like 736 this afternoon. It's just like, and so the only thing I can do all day is just like think about my waves and it's just, you know, screws me over. So um, that was a cool learning, I guess, curve. And I guess, um, yeah, just trying to figure out how to surf that way better. I, um, we got there on the Friday night and I fell on all four of my waves, like I guess second turn. <laughs> and then the next day my waves were at like 4.30 in the afternoon. Like, so it was like, like a typical situation where I would have a shocker and then I actually surfed. I surfed good and I was able to make it in the, into the top four to like get, to get more waves. Cause they had like a in-house comp thing um, for like a, like the winner got like a night at the wave pool or something. So um, yeah, I was able to make that. So I was super like, I guess, proud of myself. And then I ended up- 100%, doing... that's so hard. If you just melted on those four waves and then you, you had all day until one right and one left. Is that how it was? No, it was three rights and three lefts. Oh, okay, cool, they, okay. Your best right, best left. And then I, yeah. I qualified for the, for the, I guess, more waves. And I went uh, like yeah. head to head against Griffin and uh, yeah. lost super close. So, and they were like actually like judging that, I guess, like satellite judging. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess that was like a big improvement for me. And then the next day, um, uh, it was like a team thing. And then I, like the way my uh, teammate performed, I wouldn't need like a nine five, which I don't even think, you know. I can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how that event, like you say, it's um, you know, you're really routine based and whatnot, and and I'm with you, man. Like that event really challenges my belief system in surfing and and how to get the best out of people. I, I really struggle with it. Um, but it's the most routine wave we have on the tour. Like you know when your wave is going to be, so you can build your day around that. But for some reason, it still feels so foreign and difficult and. I had an interesting one there last year with um, Ricardo. He had some stuff going on where he couldn't warm up. Um, I think he had three rights in his life before his CT wave. Yeah, and he I got see. a 7.1. Really? How wild is that? Like, it doesn't that's, sound like a big score, but that is a no, huge score. That's huge to me. Oh my, it was, I was just, I was so proud of him. And just, again, I think, it challenged, challenged me still to this day. I just basically, you know, was so impressed with how he managed to just block out the noise and just be like, okay, I just need to, you know, he really just broke it down and he knew what his strengths were. Obviously he's got a nice big carve and it was just get onto the green face as hard as he can. And just maybe one or two of those on the wave and just see what happens. And it was really just how he simplified it. It was really, really impressive because that wave is so hard to read because it's not the same every time, even though it looks like it on TV. It's definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're trying to like control water. So it's never really going to be the same. Yeah. And you it's don't like, get any indication on the wave. It's not like you're racing down the line and you see the feathering lip change or anything like that. You don't get any, any kind yeah, of. Um, well, it's like, I've kind of put it down to like, there's like a point where like, if you know the wave better, you like almost think like overthink the wave too much in a way. And I was like doing that a lot too. Cause I've been up there a bunch, like I guess way more mm. than three ways. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's just a, it's all a mental game. Like the most confident guy wins has won it both years. So it makes sense. He wins a lot. That guy, he's pretty good. Um, on, on that, I, um, I want to fan out for a second. I definitely have you and Gabby at the top of my list as far as like strategically aware when I'm teaching people about heats and stuff. Like I watch a lot of your heats and, uh, Oh really? Oh, yeah, I do. I, I, I wondered if it's like a hindrance or a habit to be what I would describe as really clever. Um, I remember, um, I'm not sure if you can remember, but, um, I've actually got it saved in my computer. You had a heat in Brazil um, where you needed a six on your last wave. I think it was Freddie round one. I can't forget who the third surfer was, but you basically in your post interview broke it down in the three ways that you could get a six and yeah. how you could do it depending on what the wave came and what it, what it would deliver for you. Yeah. Um, do, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember the heat. 
so do you, do you feel like that mentality for you is, 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 yes, yeah, is a help or a hindrance? Um, cause it was so detailed, your response. I was just blown away. I was like, Holy fuck. How can he even surf when he's thinking like that? <laughs> yeah, I think it's maybe a little bit of a hindrance, but then I could, I guess I, it's gotten me to where I am too. So I don't know. I think like someone like, it's interesting you mentioned like Gabriel and I, cause I, I believe we're two completely different people. Like, I like think things through like, like crazy, like my brain doesn't turn off. And I think I've never played chess, but like, you have to think of things like so far ahead and just like, it becomes like, just like spider webs of thoughts in your brain way too nuts. But, um, but then I believe Gabriel's just like, I mean, he said it, he's like, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know what my, what my boards are. I know they're like Jordy's. My dad just does it for me. Like his dad just literally like walks him down to the beach, just goes, take this board when he, and he just goes out there and whacks everyone. <laughs> whacks everyone. So it's a lot, a lot, a lot of different, or very, very different. But um, yeah, I actually watched a lot of heat, his heats too. And especially like in the beach breaks, uh, how he competes and stuff. So I take a lot from him, but um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's probably why I have, I have you guys, yeah. <laughs> you know, for sure. Yeah. No, like I have, I have you guys. Um, I think, you know, in a perfect world, I'm always trying to mold the perfect surfer, you know, and I think I would combine you two and I think it would be a pretty undeniable force. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I mean, what he does is like, he knows his strengths and how he likes to compete and he doesn't, he does it everywhere. Like he doesn't like change his strategy necessarily. Like, like he's a monster in beach breaks. Like everyone knows that. And like mm -hmm. mostly because he rides a lot of waves, I think. And, um, like, but when he goes to J Bay, he'll still like to ride a lot of waves. Like that's just him. And that's what mm. makes him. So it's, mm. uh, he knows himself very good. Yeah. Is that kind of yeah. the hardest type of guy to surf against where you're just sitting there with priority and he's just doing fucking circles on the inside and you figure he's like going to get an eight at some point. <laughs> um, yeah. But then the guys like Owen Wright who just gets like, who get like three waves of heat are also hard too, because they kind of like, you just know that if the wave comes, they're going to get it and beat you. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, Gabriel's definitely hard to surf against, you know, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but um, I think the guys are the hardest or, I mean, Gabriel does this really good too. He adapts, but like, so like, I think guys like that are super hard. Like Kelly will, Kelly will like ride, like to ride a bunch of waves too, but then he sits when it's time to sit. So that's what I've tried to do in the past is kind of be like, I guess, both but um yeah i don't know gabriel's really hard to surf i feel like he does that too eh? like, like he, he he rides like, waves until he has to stop kind of thing and huh? he does that he, he yeah sorry to interrupt you there but he, he does that gabe too you know like he, you, you think he rides a lot of waves and then all of a sudden you're like oh my god he's posting up oh god this is bad <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's kind of the only way he'll lose is if he was like it's like I've heard I've heard Mason say he's like I don't lose I just run out of time. <laughs> so yeah, I think Gabriel just kind of like runs out of time. That's like the only way he loses really. <laughs> yeah. So what's uh what's kind of next on your radar, brother? Are you feeling pretty confident WSL is actually gonna start the true like 2021 tour in Hawaii, or does that seem unlikely to you? Um. From everyone I've talked to the WSL, they've seemed very optimistic about it. Um, but I'm still hearing that, like, Australia, you can't, like, go to, like, other states and stuff. So, I don't know. The, the shockwave around the world was pretty proper. So, we'll see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. Like, in Australia, there's every chance, um, you know, I could be breaking news here, but there's every chance the Queensland New South Wales border might shut this week. And that is you know shut to everyone not even, even if you're a paramedic yeah <laughs> there's there's every even chance the tweed hospital will have to shut because that many staff from the tweed hospital live in queensland so there's all these little yeah like you say the shockwave around the world is it's definitely still being felt and uh, as ambitious as the wsl are to run events in hawaii i think it might be uh you know usa only at this point yeah, well, even us, if we want to go to Hawaii, we have to quarantine for two weeks. And I guess they've been pretty on it there. Like, it's pretty mm. proper quarantine. Mm. So, yeah. I don't know. I guess, like, I was hearing from Barrick uh, that, like, South Africa was under, like, martial law. You needed, like, 
receipts and your, uh, the date on your receipt and how much you spent at the grocery store and like your passport, like all this stuff to go. Like you could only like exercise from like five to 7 a.m. or something. And, but then I heard that Jordy got some like government from the letter and he's just probably getting shacked the whole time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Um, you seem pretty um, knowledgeable about your past. How, how often do you sort of look backwards for inspiration? A past of surfing? Or? Surfing, yeah. Uh, well, I'm a second generation surfer. So I got all the stories, all the old salty dogs. I mean, my dad's like, like best friends with like, you know, all the hardcore crew from back in the day. So I like to reflect on my career in a way that would like mirror someone else's, like when they were kind of like, the, like the Mick thing was like, I kind of, he was always like kind of in the top five or whatever, like when Andy and Kelly were, were like owning, I guess the titles. And I always thought like, oh, that's kind of similar to me a little bit in a way, just because like Gabriel and John John are kind of like owning the, the tour for the last like you know four or five years so i was yeah i try to go back and sniff out interviews or whatever things he says um or said and then obviously watch like that um lightning strikes or whatever watch that a bunch like his first title they like follow his whole his whole title so uh yeah i don't know i was always like certain guys and try to get as much information from them as i can wasn't Mick's whole thing that year just basically being a dick to everyone maybe you just have to start being a fucking asshole um, I don't know if it was, but <laughs> I've tried that before and it doesn't work. So <laughs> way to be, <laughs> I'd rather be nice and comfortable in my own skin and lose and be an asshole and win a stupid event. There we go. Um, can you tell me that story about your dad? I think you were meant to do an event at Belito and then you canned it, but he was already going and he just went to J Bay by himself for a week. Like he just still seems like the most surf stoked legend going. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of why my like life has been so like easy has been because my dad is like, like, it's just so funny because it's like really predictable. I'll be like up the coast and like someone will be like some like crusty old, like gnarly tatted up local. Like you'll be like, Oh, I really hope I don't like accidentally burn this guy. He'll like be like stumbling up to me in the park and I'll be like, Hey, where's your dad? Are you standing with him when you're, had events here whatever and just be like oh like like he's just at home or whatever all the time you said tell him said hi like whatever so he just made my like like everywhere i go like my dad just like everyone loves my dad like everyone like wants to tell their life story to my dad like he just makes everyone feel so comfortable so yeah he's just like an old he's like a old salt dog that just likes to hang on the beach and watch surfing or surf or whatever. And I know it's funny because the way he like, the way he brought me up and kind of shaped me was like, he made like his like perfect best friend. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> like, like I don't drink, I don't smoke. I like, I hate like partying, like all, like we're just like, we're the same. Like we play ping pong against each other. We surf all day. All we do is talk about surfing and swells and surfboards and whatever. So yeah, yeah. we're just basically best friends and he's made my life a lot easier because everyone loves him. <laughs> uh, that's, that's awesome to say. It's, it's sick that you guys have such a special relationship like that because you're not the first second generation surfer, but I think you've definitely, you know, to this point in career maximize those opportunities. So it's, it's awesome to see. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. And our relationship has gotten a lot better the last, like, three or four years. So it's awesome. Stace, you got anything else for brother? Oh, I mean, I do, actually. Um, yeah, hit him. <laughs> I kind of couldn't really slip it in there earlier, and I don't really know if we might just chop this out at the end, but I feel like um, I feel like I want to know a little bit more about, is it just a San Clemente thing to toilet paper judges' houses, or is, is that um, is that just uh, is that a global thing? Did I miss the memo there? To talk what? <laughs> is it a San Clemente thing to toilet paper judges' houses? Oh, I don't know. I've never done that. Oh, must be thinking of another. The good ask. It was the I guy. thought you guys did it as well. I know they did it in Hawaii, but I thought you guys did it at Lalo's. No, I toilet papered uh, like Stephanie Gilmore and Laura Enneter's house. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but okay, it was that's, like that's the, the paper job 
ever. <laughs> like possible. They were like baffled. <laughs> they were all like, there was like this like schmoozy, like WSL party at the Ritz with like big wig crew. And I was like, what? And I like just lost. And I was like, I was like, I know like everyone's going to be at this, like schmoozing it up, looking for like an Instagram shout out or something. And I was like, so I just went in like right when, right after it started on with all the grobs and we just, yeah, we wrecked it. But, um, Oh, I love it. Guys, I think I've been, good, but I'm still like looking over my shoulder for like some like spray paint on my board or something. But uh, thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> no worries. That's what I was chasing. Yeah, I'm glad I had to clear that one up because, uh, yeah, in Australia, we would have just egged their house. So toilet paper seems kind of funny. Yeah. Well, you, don't, yeah. you don't toilet paper people? No? no, no. We always used to just egg houses when we were you know, young and pissed off. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, get eggy and throw eggs and just be little shits. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Brother, you, you got it. Speaking of eggs, you have a pretty – fucking tight rig and strong workout regimen what do you eat in a day uh i actually <laughs> that's funny you ask because um everyone really really is perplexed by my eating habits i actually don't really eat until dinner a lot of the days so i'll just like surf and train all day and then i'll eat like yeah i just basically eat like uh my rule is like find it kill it so if you could find it or kill it then that's what goes in my body <laughs> ah so like okay so anything that comes from the earth like no process sort of things yeah and my wife is like a psycho chef so there's a lot of like really nice plates going uh on the table but i don't know yeah i just um like someone who normally would work out and surf as much as i do would eat a lot but i just yeah only eat like I really hate doing activities with anything in my stomach and I do activities all day. So once my activities are done, I'll, uh, I'll eat a lot of food, but, um, yeah, I don't eat that much. So. Is it like an intermittent fasting? Is that like the active pursuit or that's just, is the way that it works out based on your like natural habits? Yeah. It's just the way that it works because I don't know. Some people like, like Nat Young could eat like a huge breakfast burrito and go out and surf after and like rip. And I've just never been able to do that. So. Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> but I've, I've had like, I've burned the candle both ends like a couple of times where I would like go weeks of like surfing and training like a psycho and like kind of barely eating and then like kind of like getting a sore back because of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Get a granola bar in you or something, brother. Fuck. It's <laughs> <laughs> to whip it, mate. He doesn't need anything. He's just, he's just running on, on high octane well, also been, like, coffee also and away you go. I've also been like trying to like be as strong and as light as possible. So it kind of works for that too, because like being strong is really good for surfing, but then also being heavy is terrible for surfing, I believe. But yeah, I don't know. Gabriel, like beginning of the season, mostly looks like he weighs 190 pounds and like gets third at snapper. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's, he's got a bit of like chunk to him. He's obviously like super strong, but he's also not like, like, skinny and not like he's not like all ripped or anything you know yeah yeah he surfs a lot different than me too he surfs like stronger and like i don't know i like to like twist my upper body a lot which is whatever it's gonna be hard it's gonna be hard to twist if you're carrying a few extra pounds isn't it <laughs> you gotta get yeah. a little pooch on you <laughs> <laughs> uh, well what about you mikey anything else to wrap it up with uh no i think that's it i was yeah i wanted to hear his thoughts on surf 100 mainly and i'm stoked that he was a fan i guess it's hard to dislike something that you win but <laughs> no i think um even griffin yeah i thought it was really funny i actually thought like you were pretty funny in it too like you were kind of just like ripping people and like not taking yourself too seriously so i thought that was pretty funny you probably gained a couple more fans out there <laughs> fans haters few people uh not too <laughs> fond of my musings but uh that's okay no i just uh, i don't even think you're like it, it seems like you're just joking all the time which is like because i guess when it when when words are in like on print you can't tell they're joking you know that you're just kind of like it just sounds like you're maybe trying to 
be an asshole only. But then when you're like, when you're watching someone speak the words, you're like, oh, he's kind of like joking and just like, it's funny and like fun. And I was like, oh, it's pretty sick. So, yeah. Oh, well, thank you for yeah, recognizing. You did a good job. Did a good job. <laughs> and don't yeah, ever wear a t-shirt. <laughs> next episode, next episode, we'll have to get into what your diet consists of and keep everyone, uh, you know, up to speed on how you, uh, you know, keep that shirtless regime happy. Dude, those East Coasters, they, they can't put a pound on. Yeah, I, I, live, I live right up the road from uh, Kyle Garson, who still weighs like 130 pounds driven <laughs> wet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Eric Geiselman, like, guy's like freaking 140. Yeah. <laughs> Evan's like 120. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, thanks heaps for your time, brother. It was great to chat. I, I miss hanging with all you guys and seeing everyone ripping on tour. And hopefully, uh, yeah, it'll be back to normal at some point in the near future um yeah, yeah really appreciate you coming on that was epic <laughs> all right yeah thank you guys for sure that was fun see you brother thank you i think yeah the podcast format is, is great for chloe because i think um you know like i made mention to there earlier it's like i have little snippets of his posted interviews saved in my you know coaching files and uh you only get to see such small portions of him talking but when he when he when he does um when he does open up it's yeah it's great yeah and I really like one of the things that really stood out to me that was just fascinating and I kind of wish we like touched on it a little bit more in the show in retrospect was just him talking about um first of all surfboards and how he really feels like you know he's grown up with mayhem boards and he's kind of like geared his surfing toward them and that in the same at the same time that he's doing that he's also trying to gear his surfing toward this specific criteria that uh you know judges are basically inserting upon him in every time he goes out in the heat and he's been competing you know when he was a kid he was at an event every weekend um now obviously the the contests are less frequent but it's still you know the number one focus in his life by a mile so um is it almost like Kolohe hasn't been able to like reveal or maybe even like find what his true surfing looks like and feels like because he he is so tied to a certain surfboard and he is so tied to a certain criteria definitely yeah i think that um there there is a point where um you could almost see it in his surfing. I think that it was, you know, kind of premeditated almost. And I think that is just, you know, that's where you can come unstuck. Up until last year, I thought last year he really started to look a lot freer in his heats and and surf, you know, um, more, I guess, instinctively. You know, there was, I think, you know, there was an air that he did at J-Bay that sort of, it was so strange, but it was so cool to see him do it um, because it wasn't perfect. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the surfers, they want to surf perfect. And I think that last year he might've dropped that a little bit and just gritted his teeth and wanted to um, express that. And I think that, um, I think that last year was definitely a step in the right direction. And I think that, you know, riding the DHs and, having a bit more of an open mind and an open relationship with Matt when it came to boards, I think it, it can only help both of them as much as it is obviously helping Kolohe. So yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept and it's something that I try to be conscious of at, at home with, with juniors is like too much competing because it can kill your creativity for, for one and it can also potentially burn you out. So you've got to be, really well balanced so yeah it's, a, it's an interesting one yeah and like even when we were talking about surf 100 and uh the weakness that was you know put on kolohe for that event was I, I think he said it was predictability i don't remember what it was exactly but and then he you know he made the argument like i have a bigger repertoire than either of those surfers and and that might be totally true but i think that what the if it was predictability, what that was kind of like pointing toward was not that it, not that he doesn't have a big bag of tricks. It's that they don't 
like it, even when you do one of 10 variations, they all look like you said, like premeditated. Like it is almost like too perfect to a degree where there, you don't get that wow factor. Like we talked about it with Eli Hanneman in the last episode where when somebody is like so good at something that they can do it pretty much every time and their body mechanics work exactly the same and everything, like it just kind of loses its impact a little bit. And it's so hard because like, how do you, how do you like cruel a guy for who's put in so much time and so much effort to perfect these things that are like borderline imperfectible because every wave is different. Every section is different, mm. but he's, he's managed to do it. But then it, when you see it, you're not as impressed by it as, you know, it's like Italo just fucking, you, he just goes off a huge section and seems to huck his body and somehow lands back on top of his board. And it's like, holy shit, how did he fucking do that? Um, and I wonder if that has been one of the things that has kind of like held Kolohe back is that he, he feels like he's always trying to conform to this criteria. But at the end of the day, do you think the judges really want somebody who's like conforming to a criteria or do you th I think they kind of want somebody who's almost like redefining the criteria like you look at John John and like he's gone against so many like style and technique beliefs in surfing and yet he's the one that is doing turns that nobody else can do at Margaret River and he's setting a new baseline for what's possible and the judges obviously reward it time and time again yeah well i mean there's two there's two parts to that there's there's um the, the first part is is no the judges do not want to see that they want to see you know quote unquote instinctual surfing they want to see um when you're on your toe side edge or whatever when you're on your your, your bottom turn heading up the face of the wave they want to be surprised they don't want to know what's coming next and i think that like Philippe is brilliant at that. Um, to a lesser extent, I think Michelle Perez is is good at that as well. Um, they just Slater, have speed. Slater, thank you. I still, you, yeah. he's still like the most interesting person to watch because you truly don't know yeah. what's coming. Like it's crazy. Totally. Yeah, like the, you know, his his surfing at trestles and stuff is unbelievable. Like he's the way that he rides that wave is crazy because it's not particularly powerful, but he makes it look like a bowly cupped out rip of a wave when it's quite sort of can be quite sort of slow and mushy at times. But yeah, he, he exactly right. Those guys, they, you know, even Parker or whatever, like they do that carve and slide and fall down and then come back up. And like, it's not necessarily technically that difficult, but it is, it has that kind of, you know, like a tennis player hitting the net moment, like, whoa. Um, but then the second part of that, like, is, is like, you're a product of your environment. And, you know, um, with, with, with John, for instance, like, him doing what he's done at Margaret's is unbelievable. But if you look at the wave that's in front of his house on a big, well, I forget what kind of direction, maybe a north swell gets good that's why he is so good at, at Margaret river. And that's is, you know, not only is it Hawaii where he's from, but the, the contour of that wave really, you know, lays itself to having a shallow bottom turn and ripping a huge carve. Um, and Marg's right is, is the same. So I think it's about knowing, your, knowing your strengths and, and when you have those opportunities to perform, like really, really maximize them. And I think Kolohe's getting getting there you know like he's had a second at snapper a second at d bar um i forget where his other results have come from but you know what i mean like in those waves where you would pin him as a favorite he's seems to be performing so yeah i think he should be pretty pretty stoked with that obviously those guys always want more they want to win every fucking event um but you know you've got to look at you know you gotta look at your backyard and you gotta look at where you came from and where you're strong and i think that he's doing that pretty well yeah. And God, the other thing that really stood out to me that like bothered me at a, at a core level was the fact that he doesn't get to ride the boards that he feels like he surfs best on. Like that's got to just kind of crush a part of your soul, right? Like as a surfer, like take away all the competitive, all the, I mean, whatever. if the WSL died and surf 100 never happened again and no surf contest ever happened again, Kolohe and Dino would still surf every single day because at his core he's just a fuck like his dad like he was talking about his dad he's just a salty dog he just loves it and 
yeah, I mean, the fact that he has to put away boards that he likes because they throw a little bit less spray and he has to ride boards that he calls clunky or shitty. It's like, wow, that's, I mean, that's so against what the whole like point of surfing is, right? <laughs> like totally. Yeah. Um, but it's not against the, the, but it's not against the point of competition. There is a difference. So but there isn't to Kolohe. His whole life is based around competition. Like he said that this year he's able to test new boards because, you know, he's not worrying about competition and that's great. Unfortunately, he hasn't found anything that's like he's enjoyed. But, you know, I wonder what, what do you think would happen to Kolohe surfing if, you know, say the WSL doesn't happen in 2021? What do you think would happen if Kolohe didn't ride a mayhem? He could ride any other board, but didn't ride a mayhem and surfed every single day. But he also couldn't watch himself surfing. So all he could get was feel response. It would be like a golfer basically like not using a, a track man and getting the numbers off of their shots and just seeing the ball fly, feeling it off the club face and like choosing a club based on that. Like, do you think his surfing would change? Would it improve? Would it deteriorate? Um, I definitely think it would change um, if he was riding different equipment um, for sure. Like I think he mentioned to us that the boards that he'd gotten so far had a lot more rocker, um, which I think is brilliant for him. And, and particularly the CT waves, a lot of them require that. Um, yeah, but that's because of look at where he lives. I mean, I, there is waves around there, I guess, that do have that, um, you know, a, a more, you know, I guess you could call it barreling shape to it for sure, but more than likely, I'm sure he's just going down the lowers. So yeah, rock is going to suck. Um, what if he just like moved to like West Oz or something like that? Yeah, that what would do you be, think that would do. I think that would be that would be pretty sick. But I think, yeah, it's it's hard because I think if you were to do something like that, you would want to you know, riding the board and it going better or worse is actually not the, not the issue or not the, what you're chasing. It's just something different. So, and about taking that feeling onto back to your board or back to your shape or something, it's, it's more just about, you know, it's cliche to say, but the journey of riding another board, even if it's a piece of shit, feeling that sensation and then translating that back into something that might be positive down the track. So yeah, if you went to West Oz, he could just go to Cobbles and just go and do airs all day. So that's not really going to help him. You know what I mean? He's already good at that. So I think if, you know, if he went to West Oz and just rode six, four Jake Pato channel bottoms for <laughs> a couple of months, yeah, he'd end up coming out the other side of different surfer just because of it's so different to what he's constantly doing day in, day out as far as, you know, practicing. Okay. I guess let me leave you with this. Do you think Kolohe's surfing has to fundamentally change if he wants to achieve his end goal of becoming a world champion and his more immediate goal of winning some CT events? No. No, I don't think at all. I think that um, he just needs to keep pushing. I think he's getting really close to achieving his goals for sure. I think he's right there. And I, I would like to see him keep improving, but fundamentally change. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. No, I, I look at someone like Italo. I mean, I love the way that he attacks a wave, but I wouldn't see him being world champ if the tool was full of lefts, long lefts. No, you know what I mean? So you don't need to change your surfing. You just need to just fucking get after and rip in. <laughs> Find a way to win. There you go, brother. Fucking get angry. No, don't get angry. You said that didn't work for you. Uh, get really nice and just fucking rip it. Yeah. Um, it is It is so arbitrary too. Like, I mean, like, yes, factually, he has not won a CT event, but I think he's had like five finals and it's probably more just bad luck than anything else that he hasn't because he's, I mean, he's a top five surfer. Like, yeah, that's just yeah. bad luck. But the world champion thing, that is, you know, that is what it is. Like, going up against like guys and John, like or guys like John and Gab, sorry. Uh, you know, that is always going to be a truly, truly difficult task. Totally. And I think just on that, I think, you know, I, 
just to like share some personal insight, I think I potentially work with the female version of brother, like Malia's just incredible talent. Like in my eyes, easy top five. Like when I watch the women's events, I'm going, holy fuck. Okay. This is the one. And is there anything that I would change about her surfing? No, but are we always, (laughs) are we always trying to like, um, get a little bit better? Yes. And making those 1% changes in the high level surface like that, it can take a long time. You know, that might be like something that we were working on was just carving closer to the breaking lip rather than going out on the face, like trying to get as tight as you can, but rather than snapping carving and, and that's something that uh, really only just starting to click most recently at D bar actually before snapper got canceled, but we'd been trying that for 12 months and I know like, you know, Mick, you know, his trademark, um, layback, he, he had a year there, I think in between his titles in, in 08, where that was a turn that he was working on, but he didn't do one in a heat that whole year. And you know, there's, yeah, it's just, you just got to keep pushing. <laughs> All right. Well, Stace, thank you. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time on the Scab Cut.